Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome! Everyone to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, whilst the other Cultaholic lads are on the final stretch of the road to WrestleMania, picking up some keys for an old hotel room in Albury, some angry British beefcake fans and John Oliver along the way, we are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean back in 1993, where we are chronologically critiquing... Thank you, OSW Review. Take a boo. The early years of Monday Night Raw episode by episode. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter, manager to Mickey the Dragon, uncrowned king of the Leeds deathmatch, Tom Campbell. I be with the bear in the big blue bar cage. If you were to hand Justin Henry the keys to a stationary outlet in America and say you can have anything you want, from the from the pencil aisle, he would take those keys and force them directly into your eye because he does not need a pencil. He needs a pen because he gets it right every time. Justin Henry from off of America. How are you today, Tommaso? I am good, thank you, Gargano. I am I'm I'm genuinely excited about WrestleMania weekend. I think because cheap plug Sunday night. Uh, the Brunel Social Club in Leeds, Rise Wrestling, presents um, its copyright-sensitive spectacular, Point at the Sign 2, <laughs> in which we will have a whole night of amazing wrestling, and then we're going to be finishing dead on 10, just in time for the pre-show, and then we're all staying up to watch WrestleMania on a big screen. Uh, the fans, the, the wrestlers, everybody. It's going to be a lovely time. So I'm really pumped for Mania this year. Are you in the same zone? Um... I'm pumped for it in the sense that I watch every WrestleMania, but I I can't say I'm super jazzed up for the card, I'll be honest with you. A lot of people have said it's it's a very meh card in comparison to other years. Well, I mean, my problem is there's like 25 matches that have been announced, <laughs> and I'd be okay with that if it was like a four-hour show, not this you know, seven-and-a-half-hour funeral dirge that we've been getting for the last <laughs> few years. It's like I have an affinity for the old WrestleManias that had 14 matches from like five through seven. Because they were only like three and a half hours at the most, and you got a few squash matches in there. I mean, I, I could sit through those, but <laughs> seven and a half hours is way too long. For and it's like match. lots of matches with lots of lots of consequence and big story going into it, and everybody wants to get time. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's true. Whereas, like, you know, you would have, like you say, a good squash match at WrestleMania back then. You couldn't really do that now. Well, you could... It, I mean, you could have Kurt Angle beat Baron Corbin in, like, 15 seconds. I mean, that would be fine. You know, just, like, he charges at him, angle slam, ankle lock submission, angle goes out on a high note. But, no, everybody wants Kurt Angle to have, like, a 20-minute match with AJ Styles or 
or or or Okada or whoever, and it's like, have you watched Angle the last few weeks? I know. I have I a love- feeling that what they might do is do what you said that fifteen second. Whoop, bang, thank you, beat Baron Corbin. Just as he's about to leave, they'll have John Cena come out and go, hey, this ain't how you're going. Let's have that match, what we said that time, and then you get a 20-minute Kurt Angle match. Maybe not 20 minutes, maybe six. I mean, it'll be 20. <laughs> it will. It just will be, whether we like it or not. It'll be 20. And There's just too much stuff. And just keep it simple, for Christ's sake. Like Monday Night Raw in the 90s. That is a deft segue right there. It is indeed. So uh, let us go back to 1993. Where and when are we this week, Justin? It is Monday, October the 18th, 1993. We are, I believe, live. We'll possibly tape live from the same night from the Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York. And this is quite the unusual show because usually... We have like one feature match that goes about 10, 15 minutes or so. You know, we, you know, buttress by uh, three squash matches and maybe some interview exposition. Well, on this show, it's four squash matches and the interview is the main event. Yeah, we don't ever. see that. And we've never seen that on Raw until really. I think the last time we probably saw this was with Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and that was quite some time ago. And, and although Hogan's been gone for a few months, who does his name come up on this show? <sighs> We will get to that. I want to chuck this in about the Mid-Hudson Civic Centre. This month, that venue's still a thing. Mm -hmm. And this month, at that venue, there is a charity boxing night between the police force and the firefighters. (laughs) And it's called, and it's called Guns and Hoses. That is fantastic. (laughs) Big love if you are taking part in Guns and Hoses. That is so good! I can't top that. (laughs) Nobody can. Good night. (laughs) I love you. Bye. I want to make a a Paradise City pun, but I couldn't do it without, you know, going across the language uh, uh, requirements here. You know what we're allowed to say. Oh, yeah. Well, just picture your own in your mind's eye, your own sweary version that parodies Paradise City. Take me down to the suplex city where where someone's green and the bookings, you know. Oi! See? You made it. You didn't even swear. Well done. I'm proud of you. Or do my actual impression, which I want to I want you to go deaf off of that. Um I nearly went blind with the with the opening. The the Savage and Crush Summit is basically two presidents meeting. <laughs> That's what I learned from the opening promo on Raw. Uh, yes, the show begins. Well, before we get to that, I have to say that this this taping here is somewhat famous because in a dark match, our good friend Scott Taylor, Scotty Too Hot, he put over the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal maniac known as Sabu. Wow. So Sabu was on Raw but not taped. Uh, yes, he was, it was a tryout match on this show. And the next night he, at the Superstars tapings, he wrestled Owen Hart which is a match that has to make one of those unreleases or, or maybe the hidden gem section on the network. Like that match with and Bret I'm, Hart this week that's done the rounds. Who was the guy? Tom Mc, Bret Hart, Tom McGee. Yes, that has to be in there as well. <laughs> and then Sabu faced Scotty one more time at another taping, uh, the challenge taping on Wednesday. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't get the job. I, I heard, I think it was, the camera was in The Observer. I think they said it, 
they were impressed enough by him, though, you know, want to offer him a job, but he didn't want to give up his commitments to FMW, so it was a no-go. Well, that's a shame. I'll be intrigued to see how they would have handled a character like Sabu in this weird sort of new pre-new-gen post-Hulkamania WWF. He had just showed up on ECW weeks earlier. He faced – like him and Taz's debut matches were against one another actually. Okay. At the uh, at the Friday night uh, show called Bloodfest on October 1st. And I think that same weekend Tommy Dreamer debuted as well. So that was kind of like the you know the 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 ultra class of ECW all coming together at once. And I think Jim Cornette even said in one of his um, podcast uh, endeavors that he said Sabu was the benefit of really good editing from Paul Heyman because unless he had a really good opponent to work with and he was kind of kind of threadbare and didn't fit what they were doing in WWE. Heyman was always amazing like that. He was always able to accentuate the positives and hide the negatives. Very much so. I mean, probably the best example is Public Enemy. Um, he got them so yeah. over. And they were like the hottest act, and then in WCW, they were okay. They had some decent brawls with the Nasty Boys and Harlem Heat, but it wasn't the same. But anyway, Sabu, yes, got a tryout at this very taping here. And although he, by some accounts, i.e. Jim Cornette, he didn't look that good, he apparently had a job offer and ended up turning it down for, um, shall we say, loyalty reasons. Okay. That's quite a what if. Gosh, yeah, very much so. Well, there you go. I didn't know that to go into that. There you go. The more you know, Guns and Hoses and Sabu. <laughs> if we've learned nothing, if you learn nothing in this podcast in the first 10, you've learned that. And speaking of international incidents, we go to this incredible intro. My gosh. <laughs> My gosh. I've heard of comparing apples to oranges, but this is like comparing apples to stains on the floor. <laughs> We have this black and white set of images with this really dramatic music with like a bass guitar and a synthesizer. It's like, like over the past four decades, there have been a lot of numerous summits. This is Vince narrating it, obviously. Vince compares what's going on in WWF to famed political summits, including JFK and Khrushchev, Richard Nixon and Brezhnev, Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev, with images of all three of them. The, of all three pairs of political leaders meeting together. <laughs> he, compares them to Raz- he compares them to Razor Moon versus Rick Martel last week, and he lets Luger Ludwig Borges stare down. And then, and then, in his loudest grunt possibly ever, the same noises he would make when it, if Stone Cold were punching him in the hospital bed, he goes, But tonight! <laughs> Savage and Crush's mystic. Is the most significant summit in WWF history. He needs to know WWF because had he said world history, he would look even dumber. I I almost cannot do this justice. You have to watch just how ludicrous this entire. I mean, it's it is well put together, but just the idea of it. There is hyperbole, and then there is this. If we showed us a John Oliver, it may have been the most appalling thing he talked about all weekend. I don't know whether he would have said that wrestling is better than the thing you like. <laughs> so we so we start the show from Poughkeepsie, which is apparently the Camp David of wrestling venues. <laughs> <laughs> and Savage, of course, is um, obviously quite tense because he doesn't know how tonight is going to go. 
Crush isn't, isn't speaking to him. He's holding some, some, some sort of grudge that he's unaware of. And he doesn't appreciate Vince or Heenan agitating him. That's how on edge he is. And Heenan has taken the liberty of having a camera stake out the back door for Crush's arrival tonight. So they're treating us like a very big deal here. He is very, very upset. And like Bobby Heenan, who I know that Bobby's been giving him jip the whole time, but like Vince is like, oh, so you seem quiet tonight, Savage. And Savage is going for it. And Savage just launches at Heenan. <laughs> and Heenan hasn't said a word yet. And he's already like, you're an agitator. <laughs> and just like immediately, Heenan, Heenan pipes down. As the designated heel, I am obligated to call you an ass. <laughs> Incredible. The face and the heel are both against me. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I think I'm a tweener now. <laughs> I think... Crush, am I a tweener? Oh, no, wait, we're supposed to hate each other. I forgot. Aren't they fun kid characters from the TV? No, those are the tweenies. Oh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> John! I'm ignorant on a variety of subjects. John! Randy Savage is one of the tweenies. Thank you. <laughs> it's literally that simple. I went for lunch with John, by the way, just to give you a quick update on what we, what we did. We went and had lunch on the quayside in Newcastle, me and John Eiley. My goodness, what a beautiful human being. Was it like my dinner with Andre? Mate, it was better. <laughs> we drank more. <laughs> it was it was absolutely delightful. Uh so thank you, John, for your company and, and uh and big love to you. Love you, John. Incidentally, if there is any crossover, and I don't know whether there is, if there's any crossover between people who listen to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review and the Christian O'Connell Breakfast Show on Gold 104.3 in Australia, if there happens to be some crossover. OC refers to a guy called Big John who sends in misheard lyrics every week. That is John Eiley, just so you know. <laughs> he is both John people. Is, John is the international man of mystery. Oh, gosh. He, he, he is so, like, they, he told me quite a few other things that he does through radio and media. And, and I've taken a vow of silence to not share them because it ruined the magic. But wow, what a guy. Big love, John. So you're. So you're Friar Fergusoning the information you were given. I am absolutely Friar Fergusoning every bit of it, that, every bit of that information that he gave me. Uh, but John, if you can do Randy Savage is one of the tweeners, that would be great. Thanks. Yes, thanks for having lunch with Tom. Now get back to work. <laughs> you've had your you've had your bonus for the year. <laughs> so we open up with the Steyer brothers versus the poor bastard duo of PJ Walker and Tony DeVito. You are talking also, about the Ultra ECW class. We are looking at it right here. <laughs> DeVito and just incredible in fact all four men showed up at ECW eventually including the Steiners oh yes they did didn't they yes they were there briefly in 95 they had some match with the Eliminators the Pitbulls in fact there's even a six man tag imagine this dream match the Steiners and Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko Two Cold Scorpio and Cactus Jack wow that's ridiculous ECW Arena, Wrestlepalooza, 95. Of course, P.J. Walker became the eventual Just Incredible, and Tony DeVito would shave his head and join the street gang known as the Baldies. Of course, at this point in his career, P.J. Walker was so notable that Vince keeps calling him Corey Student. 
which was a bald jobber who was on the show about three weeks ago. <laughs> that must be awful. When you when you go to a show like this and you know you want to try and make a good impression, and the guy who runs the company keeps calling you something else. It'd be even worse if, it, if when after he was out of Montoya, he was still calling him Corey's student. Aww. Scott hits this dragon suplex on DeVito. He released one that looked incredibly painful. I mean, DeVito's no small guy, but by Scott hooked him up and flipped him over right on top of his head. It did not look uh, cozy whatsoever. Highlight of this match is Vince doing the Steiner bark. <laughs> yes, he was very he was very animated during this bit, was, was Vince. I learned it from watching Arsenio. <laughs> Did you notice a sign in the crowd during this match? That was it I, Bobby Bobby Hina for mayor? No, no, not that one. There was another one that was on hard cam a couple of times. I couldn't quite read what it said. It said something along the lines of WWF, a quantum leap to the rest. Or something like that. It was a quantum leap reference on a on a sign. Well, it wasn't foreshadowing a Scott Bakula debut of any sort. Which is which oh, makes me really awesome. sad. Because <laughs> it certainly didn't. You know it's funny. I've always thought that what Joey Janella or some independent enterprise kind of guy should do is have like a time machine entrance way. He have Janella hit the ring, then all of a sudden the machine goes off, smoke comes out of it. And out comes a well-known wrestler in their old gimmick as if they've come from the past to wrestle him. Oh, my God. Have, have PCO come out dressed as uh, Quebecer Pierre. <sighs> this is... This... John! Not John. You're Justin. Justin! Well, John as well! You need this as well! This... This is the wrestling company that the Northeast needs! <laughs> this is our way in! You pay Scott Steiner like ten grand upon like a black mark. Oh my god! I just love the idea of having like a time machine. Oh my god, it's brilliant! You think I would go as a fan to every single show if a company had a time machine and every month a surprise wrestler would come out of said time machine in their old gimmick? <laughs> Terry Taylor puts up the hair again and dyes it red. <laughs> Oh, yes! That's amazing! Fred Ottman falls out again. <laughs> yeah. Off the floor. And Hulk Hogan comes out as Starlight Star Bright. <laughs> no, Hulk Machine. Ah, Hulk Machine! From what for? Yes, I'm, I'm down with Hulk Machine. Oh, that's so good. That would be, that would... Please, someone tell Joey this. Joey Janela. I... I... Joe! Joe! <laughs> there's, there's at least a 50% chance he would do this. <laughs> this. This might be up his street. If you know someone who knows someone who knows Joey Janela, get this to him. Get this to him. Hakushi comes out with all the tattoos on again. Oh, my God. This is so good. A whole battle royal of just like, you know, it's like downloadable content almost. It is, isn't it? It's just, it's like, like the DLC WF. All right, we've unlocked... Bull Buchanan. <laughs> oh man! Right to censor gear. Spent twenty minutes fighting that match. I've only unlocked Bull Buchanan in right to censor gear. Furious. <laughs> At least I'm closer to the mass CM Punk from 2010. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> closer. <laughs> 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 
Vince waxes about having both Steiner brothers as neighbors, which would be the best sitcom ever. <laughs> that would be each one either side of him. <laughs> Rick's parking in the backyard. Scott's dealing math equations from his driveway <laughs> on a pogo stick. <laughs> Scott Scott cares so much about Savage, and who doesn't? That he dedicates his Steiner screwdriver to him. Yeah, I didn't get that. Was PJ? I think that's an old homage to Don Morocco, who would always dedicate his tombstone power driver to Bobby Heenan at ringside. Ah. Um, like, this, this is for you, Bobby, and would just break the poor jobber's neck. And Scott, speaking of breaking necks, almost finishes off PJ Walker for good here. That was not very friendly looking. They were very, very aggressive. I like that Scott dragged Walker slash student slash Montoya slash Credible over to the corner <laughs> to tag DeVito. And here's Walker. He's he's a corpse at this point. And he, so it's like gallows humor, but Vince is laughing maniacally. Ha, 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 that guy's dead. <laughs> oh, Vince loves it, doesn't he? Yeah, Vince, Vince is... Uh, I mean, we, we've all watched the Three Stooges and laugh when they get hurt. So that's this is... I like what that is, except uh, it's supposed to be that, you know, these are just guys trying to make a living and, and have their necks broken at, at the hands of the Steiners. And Vince is like, ha ha, this is entertaining. It's like, yeah, they don't count as real people. They're just sort of punching bags. <laughs> ah, that persona non grata. DeVito gets beaten up, finished with the Steiner Bulldog. One, two, three. Savage is quiet for most of the match. <laughs> And in fact, he'll be quiet for most matches during the show as he uh, stays in character and keeps this angle going between he and Crush, selling the tension. He is silent all night, pretty much, apart from the apart from one one notable moment in a match to come. Uh, yeah, about two matches from now, we'll I'll, I'll have a lot to say about that because I have a certain Wrestling Observer issue open for a little bit more clarification on that. Then we have discussion about Shawn Michaels' suspension. As you'll note, he was stripped of the title, Intercontinental title, for not making scheduled defenses. That was the front page of that. Behind the facade is the fact that Shawn was reportedly suspended for filling a steroids test, which Shawn adamantly denies uh, having actually knowingly taken anything that would cause a failure and quit the company as a result. So for the time being, there's a, a bit of an impasse between the two. And and in the vein of Andy Kaufman on Saturday Night Live, there are two 900 numbers set up for fans to call. One if you want Sean to be reinstated, and one if you want Sean to just F off. And I like the effort they go, they went to to have a, a, a happy picture of Sean for yes, and a sad-looking Sean for no. <laughs> yes, we have Sean emojis. <laughs> Sean emojis. <laughs> a... FYI, <laughs> neither number works anymore. I did try. The best part is it's a 900 number, so if you really hated Sean, hey, you can put money in Vince's pocket. <laughs> well, and it, and it seems, and by the looks of it, in terms of the, the graph later on, it probably worked. Uh, yeah, and we have Perfect and Diesel for each backstage giving their, you know, advocating for why you should call their certain number. Diesel said Sean had the flu, which is why he didn't defend the belt. Perfect, meanwhile, just wants him gone. I'm like, wouldn't he want Sean back so he could beat the crap out of him? That's that's it. You would think you would want him back just to give him a beating. But Diesel for me, yeah. Diesel Diesel stole this for me. When he, after a little while, he just went, hey, 
he paid me a good salary and then just had this grin on his face. (laughs) That is is completely Kevin Nash. Hey, he paid me. Bring him back. Have you ever seen Diesel when he played Vinny Vegas? Yes, it was it was a little 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 Vinny Vegas esque. I'd say glint in the eye, but he had sunglasses on, but a little smirk. <laughs> if you've never seen Vinny Vegas in WCW, and people people listening out there, he played the most over the top New Jersey style gangster you've ever seen, complete with faux Italian accent. Like if if you're trying to make somebody laugh. Like, like a Super Mario voice or or a typical gangster voice, whatever you would stereotype that as. That's what he was doing. It was like Steve Martin in My Blue Heaven. Just so over the top. Hey, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Just... Picture Kevin Nash doing that. It was hysterically funny. Brilliant. And it sadly, and it sadly lost the history. <laughs> if, if nothing else, you have to watch the boxing match between Johnny B. Bad and Scotty Flamingo, the future of Raven in which Nash and DDP were Raven's corner men and were training him for the fight, and Nash was cutting his promo for him. And then there was three-man Gracie chained to the ring. <laughs> I can't do it justice. It was incredible. <laughs> Truly underrated moment in WCW's history. Amazing. So we all check back in with the poll a bit later on and see whether Shawn Michaels keeps his job or not. And it's not... And spoiler alert, it doesn't go well for Sean. Um, no. Uh this this next bit. Um Um just Justin <laughs> Justin was yes. was was um or was this a bit racist? I feel like this was a bit racist. <laughs> I feel I can't help my overriding thought after after this this next bit that lasted thirty seconds, my overriding question was was that was that a bit racist? Okay. Um, I'd like you to unpack this. I'll leave the question of, is it racist, hanging in the air whilst you do? Okay, we have this black and white image of, a, of an apparent Japanese scientist. Already has the feel of, a, of an old monster movie. You know, something's picked up on the radar, some big, immense, uh, possible creature out there. And these scientists are very concerned. They're all gathering around the monitor. And then there's people... There's a big, big looming shadow cast over what I assume is Tokyo. Could be any city, really. And and we have the bad dub jobs that you see from Japanese movies that have been translated into English, and they have the English voices. You know, where there's what you would do if you were trying to imitate a Japanese person. And it and it did without, sound like, uh, and it, it's an American or an English person doing an impression of a Japanese person. Yeah, because there's this big creature off in the distance that we haven't seen yet. So this is very Hitchcock-esque. We're left to wonder what this could possibly be. There's these children walking up a hill. One falls down when he sees his monster. Goes and, I, and I'm, I'm quoting the English here. He goes, "Look, it's Charles Barkley." He said, "It's Charles Barkley." Oh when God! The, when the L's become R's. Oh God! <laughs> and like, oh, it's Godzilla. And, and, and things of that sort. And people are starting to run and panic, and all of a sudden, a massive Yokozuna appears over the countryside <laughs> as people are fleeing in terror. Buildings start blowing apart because apparently he's like... <laughs> he's got laser vision eyes! So he can just blow stuff up! <laughs> and we get the ominous music. There's a car <laughs> driving through the streets with, with a megaphone, like, do not panic, evacuate now! 
<laughs> I got to say, other than the stereotypical elements, it was kind of a cool video. Yeah, but was it a bit racist? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to say it was an homage to the old monster movies. I, I they didn't really have. I, I guess they could have gotten the point across about dialing it up so much. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. I, what I'll do is I'll say that you're right. It is it is an homage to monster movies. Played well. I see what they're going for, but there's a couple of things they could have left out, and it wouldn't have dampened the the product. It wouldn't have made it any less obvious what they were going for. I'm talking about the bit where they go, it's Charles Barkery. Like, you didn't, you don't, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. And then have blatantly people from the office. Like, they must have, they must, there must have been a conversation in 1993 where they went, anybody in the office free just to, just to do a little quick voice bit for this vignette for Yokozuna? Can you just sound Japanese? Like, I feel like that would have been a conversation. And then someone said, like, wouldn't it be insulting to have someone who's not Japanese play someone who's Japanese? And then someone just pointed at Yoko. Exactly. They're, they're ready. And that's the, and that is the biggest laugh of all. It's like this, oh, no, it's Yokozuna. It's a massive Samoan. It's wandering I mean, into the landscape. I don't think they went out of their way to be demeaning or insulting. I think they just saw it as... Well, what would a monster movie translated into English from the fifties sound like? Yeah, I think it was very like like a lot of things from this era. It's very of the time. Doesn't excuse it, but it was very of the time. I'll say it was probably just well intentioned. It was. It yeah. It was the 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 intent was yeah. The intent wasn't to be a bit racist, but yeah. It is the fourth in the series of the unbelievable videos for that ad campaign. And I got to say, out of the four between this, the guy imitating the wrestlers to trying to impress that girl, uh, the guy in bed with his wife who's too tired for, you, you know, a little hanky-panky, but, but gets right up to watch Raw, and the baby with the building blocks. This is probably the best one. Yeah, because I think this one this one feels a bit more like it focuses on the, the wrestling. I mean the I mean the, the don't fall for cheap imitations one does, the baby blocks the baby with the building blocks don't get it, the ugly yeah. man with a hot wife is like I don't want to touch you. Oh the wrestling's on. I just I have so many issues. Um, yeah, this feels a bit more in keeping with. It just still feels a bit racist. <laughs> it just still feels a bit racist. And part of it, I mean, it has Yoko in it, so so it, it's therefore awesome by default. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's flawed, but I still like it. Bobby Heenan makes a comment during the next match about it that definitely makes it a bit racist. Well, he says the best part is you know, they can say entire sentences without, without opening their mouth. He, yeah, he calls, I mean. he calls the Japanese the greatest ventriloquists on the planet. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> it happened. Do watch it on the network and come to your own conclusions. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Bernard Scheister versus not yet Scotty Too Hotty. Still just Scott Taylor wearing mustard brown tights. Does the IRS shtick seem quite dated now? Like, like into, not now, in, that was 2019, but like we've been watching these shows for a good couple of months now. And do you think this shtick is wearing thin? Well, I mean, he's on every damn week because he's like the workhorse of the show, him and Tatanka. Yeah. Here's a scavenger item. Hunt item. Find any episode of the show now or prior that doesn't have IRS or Tatanka on it. They're like the divine constants of Monday Night Raw. Uh, pretty much. Iris is, Iris is to this show, but Keenan Thompson is the SNL where he's on every year. Nice. There is a great moment in the entrance, which I've tweeted about this since. Iris is coming out with his microphone. He, he he's, he's insulting the crowd, making his usual tax-related threats. Someone in the crowd has a sign that says, Hi, Felicia. <laughs> and this is where it started. This was a year and a half before Friday came out. <laughs> so I am now operating under the assumption that Ice Cube attended the show and was still still kind toward Felicia. She hadn't worn thin on him yet. She had, she didn't get in her habit of, of asking for things that she didn't have. You know, she may have had a job at this point in time. So at this point, he's very happy to see, you know, to acknowledge Felicia. But eventually, he just became very dismissive of her and created a pop culture phenomenon with two words. So this is maybe where it all began. Yes. <laughs> yep. So we have Monday, next Monday, and Monday after next. I'm making a roll pun here. I'm with you. I'm with you. I was with you. <laughs> Your silence only made me feel ashamed. Oh! 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 There's a nice Vince laugh that we can drop in at different points. <laughs> In fact, you listening at home, if you've if you've made a joke and and your significant other hasn't effectively reacted to it, just drop my Vince laughing. <laughs> or, any, or any Vince laugh because anyway. <laughs> um, unbelievable! Unbelievable! He got him a no. All right, that's only quotes. <laughs> See, now I'll laugh in return, so I'm super keen <laughs> <on> you. <laughs> 
we're we're two funny chaps. I tell you what, I tell you what, Vince is rubbish at plugging other programs. He completely went bottom over tea kettle trying to shout up Pet Cemetery. Yes, it's very timely because the new Pet Cemetery comes out, I believe, this month, starring John Lithgow. And the part that Fred Gwynn had in this movie. I can do a good impression of John Lithgow. Can you now? Yeah. I was I was annoying my, my good lady, Alex, with this impression the one morning when we were watching Third Rock from the Sun. My John Lithgow impression goes as follows. I can't believe that we're all aliens! <laughs> that's, actually, that's actually pretty good. I can't believe that we're all aliens! That's that's as good as I do. <laughs> Just that one line. Of course, you'd have a French Stewart to talk to as well. <laughs> I can't believe that you're an alien too. <laughs> that's that's the plot of Third Row from the Sun and an impression of John Lithgow in one. <laughs> you're welcome. I can't, I can't believe NBC's kept this show on the air for so long. <laughs> hey, I'm a big woman. <laughs> I'm the guy that runs away in Jurassic Park. <laughs> Don't worry, Joseph Gordon. Love it. You'll have a real career eventually. Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> That's very meta. You're welcome. So John Lithgow's in the new Pet Cemetery. Yes. Yes, the guy who played uh, what's the? It was Solomon. Was your name on the show, right? Third Rock. Yes. I think it was Solomon. The guy who played Dick Solomon on Third Rock in the Sun is now playing the part that Herman Munster played in the original Pet Cemetery. <laughs> Just what a wonderful, wonderful web we weave. So yes, Vince plugs Pet Cemetery, screws up the read really badly, and then Heenan takes over and makes it even funnier. Talks about, you know, like, yeah, make, make sure you're old enough to watch this movie, and even if you're not, just watch it in the back room, so it's I don't give a crap. Because Bobby Heenan's stream of consciousness is still funnier than most than most people who are trying to be funny. Crowd chants, Erwin at Scheister. So Heenan gets mad and... Him and Vince start start mocking each other with Weasel and Vincent uh, taunts at one another because that's more entertaining than this match, apparently, before the write-off finishes. The write-off never got um, any real respect in it as a finisher. It just kind of came out of nowhere. I, I very rarely remember people calling it. and uh, like Everybody was always shocked when it got the three. It didn't, like, it didn't have that credos as a finisher. It was the clothesline from Heck. <laughs> it's just a very simple flying clothesline that the taker does is like a you know a transition move or out of a duck under run off the ropes it's it, it's a very basic just flying clothesline there's no frills to it whatsoever it's not devastating it's not like jbl where he flips you over with a ass over tea kettle clothesline it's just it's very plain hence why nobody loved it Perhaps IRS should use IcoPro as Tatanka did in our next uh, vignette here, wearing a sky blue tank top. Yeah, he looked the business. This is a, a fiery new IcoPro advert with Tatanka just really going hell for leather in the gym. It would have been better if his streak of being undefeated continued long after this. But as we'll soon learn over the coming episodes, um, that's about to become a thing of the past. Oh, really? Are we close to the end of the undefeated streak of Tatanka. Um, yes, and it ends quite emphatically as well. Oh. We'll have a special moment when, when that time comes. Yeah, we'll sing Candle and the Wind together. <laughs> Goodbye, I mean, happy... Tatanka streak. 
I can't believe that we're all aliens. You had a <laughs> Or maybe we won't. Or perhaps we won't sing that song. <laughs> so we have a vignette for a debuting superstar. One J E double F J A double R E double T. That's double J Jeff Jarrett. Now this this whole bit was infuriating because Vince McMahon on commentary says we're going to hear from Jeff Jarrett and Jeff Jarrett says he's not fussy about wrestling. He wants to use this to springboard himself into the country music world like Garth Brooks. Let's hear from Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett says exactly that. <laughs> what was the yeah, point? Now, Jarrett's promo was actually fine for the most part. It was plainly delivered, but he had like one verbal flub. But, but as like a one, two minute stand up here, he did fine just getting over his intentions to use the World Wrestling Federation to want to make himself so big that Nashville has to come crawling to him and beg him to sign a contract and become the biggest country music star there ever was. It's kind of a stretch for character intentions, but okay. It gets Chef Jared into the company. I like the bit where he said, I was born into a wrestling family. It was predetermined. See what you did there. <laughs> See what you did there, Jeff, you cheeky little terror. You cheeky little, cheeky little minx. <laughs> I like during Vince's ex- a pre-promo exposition where he's talking about, you know, this isn't the Nashville Network. Which role would be on in seven years? That was that was fun. I like that. He was like, "Hey, I did it. that was good." That <laughs> my ears pricked up when I heard that, huh? But yeah, Sheriff's at the Country Music Hall of Fame, which I guess is in Nashville. He runs down Garth Brooks, calls out Savage Luger and Brett. All in all, not a bad promo. Very uh, very downbeat, very plain spoken. Nothing over the top. Not even a tooth sparkle yet. That would come eventually. I feel like it could have had a little bit more uh, sparkle to it. But at the same time, you know, he he was a calm, confident speaker. It wasn't it wasn't a goofy promo. It was almost like someone who is too good for wrestling. But would rather be a and would rather be a country singer talking about how he has to wrestle in order to launch that dream. So Yeah, I guess it was dis- in keeping. <laughs> that bit of disinterest in his voice actually kind of enhanced his character's motivations, I think. I'm not saying it was brilliant or anything. I'm just saying that it was fine. So we have, so we come back and Bobby Heenan is trying to dial in his, his vote for Sean. Has problems hanging up the phone because he's Bobby and physical comedy is his thing. I love that. And like you, and he was he was calling on behalf of like his family members, and he was just stumbling around with that old landline phone. That was lovely. I like that. <laughs> I remember there was a bit on primetime years ago where he had he had problems with a phone while Monsoon's trying to talk to the talk to the camera and Monsoon can't keep a straight face. He's breaking the phone by accident, quote unquote accident, and Monsoon just is completely losing it. <laughs> he always had a knack for just you know doing something goofy in the background that would overshadow what was happening, and and do it subtly too. It would just overshadow like, like whatever like the main focus was supposed to be. He was very good at eating the eating the scenery in, in a certain way. It, it, it's just like old school comedy, and he did it so well. So we come back from, from break, and one of the Raw girls is carrying the signs, and Vince, Re- Vince reads and goes, We be Raw and stuff, says McMahon. <laughs> I'd have to list the things that I never thought I'd hear Vince say. 
Tatanka versus the Grand Poobah of Jobbers, Mr. Iron Mike Sharp. It is mere scenery. Katina addresses Randy Savage, who over the weekend was on Radio WWF. And Savage, of course, he's very on edge right now because the, the crush thing is impending. Because Savage went on a tangent on Radio, on a radio WWF with Jim Ross about a certain person in his life. You may have heard of him. His name is Hulk Hogan. Savage on air here, with Hogan gone from the company for more than two months, calls Hogan a prima donna, a backstabber, and a liar. And it truly came out of nowhere if you hadn't listened to Radio WWF, because Savage has been silent pretty much this entire show. And then just suddenly Heenan's like, hey, you, you doing okay there, Savage? And Savage just goes, I tell you what, I hate Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Whoa! This is spicy. <laughs> yes, yeah, Savage uh, just days earlier in an interview with Jim Ross, which is sort of a work shoot. I think Meltzer speculated that they were trying to coax Hogan back into a one-on-one match with Savage for WrestleMania 10, trying to use the real-life heat as kind of a is this real, is this not real sort of thing. Quite uh, quite cutting edge coming. for this time, though, isn't it? To, to to blur the lines like that. Well, they were trying something different on Radio WWF, and JR, according to Meltzer's write-up here, he had gotten carte blanche from Vince in order to acknowledge other promotions if it came to creating edgy stories for the show just to try and make it more enticing. I mean... It isn't the primary program. It is for you know hardcore fans only. Well, I guess that was the intent. So something like that would appeal to their senses. So I could see Vince okaying that. Savage shot on Hogan's lying on the Arsenio Hall show two years earlier. It made some not-so-subtle comments about Hogan breaking up his marriage with Miss Elizabeth. And JR and acted surprised when Savage was doing this stuff, but you could tell that he kind of knew what was coming. Savage is a uh, – it's a very long write-up. But some Savage comments are from the show include, have you heard the name Hulk Hogan, the five-time Warsing Federation champion? Hulk Hogan became at one time the biggest superstar in the history of professional wrestling. I personally used to look up to Hulk Hogan, but that was but that was a big mistake. I really thought he was a friend, but he's definitely not. He's the worst prima donna I've ever met in my life. So Hogan's ego went so far out of control that Hulk Hogan consumed Terry Bollea, which is his real name. Let's just say that I've lost a lot of respect for Hulk Hogan, a.k.a. Terry Bollea, both as a man and as a human being. That's an extreme understatement that I'm, sure, that I'm saying right there. A lot of people out there might be thinking that it's professional jealousy. But putting professional jealousy aside, if there is any, which I'm not saying there is, I lost respect for Hulk Hogan big time. Number one, when he completely lied on Arsenio Hall denying use of antibiotic steroids except for rehab for an injury. And Savage went on to say that he had used steroids himself back when they were legal, which is, he said, although he, he knows it is like putting poison in your body, he says he doesn't use them currently. And then he went on, because uh, this is a very long write, so I don't want to want to take up too much time here. But um, the the point being that he just, he just tears into Hulk Hogan more so than we could have ever imagined. And then he de- he did delve into how Hogan and Hogan's then wife Linda had had played a big part in breaking up Savage's marriage to Liz. He says there was a sense he was talking about how uh, he would talk to Hogan during that time, and Hogan would act like nothing was going on, while 
while he knew that Liz was staying at that at Hogan and Linda's house, when her and Savage, when she'd flown the coop from Savage and Hogan, they kept that from from him. Oh, so, that's a bit. Yeah, that's a bit annoying. This is some. Uh, yeah, it's a very long, very compelling interview, but Savage just he does light in the Hogan big time. And as Melcher speculates, he, he thinks it may have been in part to try and angle for a match with him that would blur you know, reality with fiction. But of course, that would not come to pass. And in fact, a year later, they were friends again in WCW. Oh, they were forever sort of bouncing back and forth between being friends and enemies. Like it was, it was an endless cycle for those two. Like they, they, it was a they, very complex relationship. When they were making money together, they were friends. Mm hmm. When they weren't, they, they weren't. weren't. When they weren't, they were sworn enemies. Mm. So, so in order to get over the uh, the crush thing, we have this little rant on Hulk Hogan that certainly picks picks up a lot of ears that may have been a little bit drippy, droopy from listening to to watching Tatanka and I and Mike Sharp. Suddenly, we are back invested in the crush. Actually, do you know what? I'm more invested in a Savage Hogan summit at this point. Well, that might end in real blood. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, somewhere in the fog here, Tatanka finishes <laughs> off with the end of the trail on Iron Mike Sharp. I'd forgotten there was a match at this point. And really, after that, after that rant, who the hell's watching the match? Exactly. This was this was background fodder for commentator exposition. Uh, so once that happens, we throw to your friend of mine, Mr. Joe Fowler in WWF Center. Yeah, Joe Fowler with the Survivor Series report. This was the year where they had the bizarre imagery of the framework of a skyscraper and someone f flying through screaming, which is, and I never got what that was supposed to be. Was it meant to be a roller coaster? I don't think so, because at the very end, they, they showed the cream with the wrecking ball and the Survivor Series logo attached to it. So it's almost like, almost like they're demolishing a building of some sort. But somebody was flying through screaming. Yeah, I, I, I never got what that was supposed to be. It's kind of avant-garde. So, Joe Fowler asks us, why did the sell out under an hour with no matches being announced? I think he's asking himself that out loud, <laughs> and, and, and we know the answer. He basically says, why did it sell out? Here are the rules of a Survivor Series match. <laughs> and he, he informs us that teams of four strive to survive. That's not the rhyme. No, <laughs> teams of four strive to survive. <laughs> I don't know. I Teams of four are out of the door. Teams of four apt to ignore. <laughs> Team, teams of four strive not to be poor. <laughs> teams of four, no less, never more. <laughs> teams of four want ointment for their stores. Teams of four, three rings, Allegro. <laughs> <laughs> Nice callback for long-term fans, which there are some, apparently. Teams of four find Fowler a bore. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there was... To, to skip through this bit, he gives us the, the spiel on the Survivor Series matches that we've got. The All-Americans versus the Foreign Fanatics. So it's the Steiners, Tatonka, Alex Luger versus uh, Head Trinkers? Yep. No, oh, Quebecers. The Quebecers. Uh, Ludwig Borger and Yokozuna. That's that's one of the I matches we got. Here. Yes. 
I've always thought that the teams came up with their own names. You know, they get together and say, hey, what should we call ourselves? Or the captain shoots something based on his gimmick. Did someone raise their hand to say, hey, we're all not American. Let's call ourselves the foreign fanatics. And then they all had a, had a group high five. <laughs> This is there's a Mitchell and Webb uh, sketch comedians in the UK, uh, and in which these two soldiers have the moment where they realise we're the baddies, because it's like because he, he's chatting away and he goes, well they're called the Alliance and we're called the Axis of Power. <laughs> I think we're the baddies. <laughs> And I would like to think that they have a similar conversation here. Like, like Ludwig and, and Pierre goes, are we the baddies? <laughs> Pierre suggests a team friendship. <laughs> and, and Ludwig's like, no, 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 we're assholes. We need to call it something different. You know, <laughs> it's the All-Americans versus the right side of history. <laughs> Versus history's monsters. What? What? We're, we're all right. Wait. <laughs> like, we're not evil. And here's Jacques eating a baby. Oh, right. And he throws it aside. But then yeah, it's, we're good guys. It's, they're like, what about your European fans watching in Finland? Who are like, why, why are we the baddies? <laughs> we like Ludwig Borga. <laughs> I mean, they're fanatics. So maybe that's a good thing. They're just foreign that's all uh heart family versus the king's knights that picture of so it's so it's it's jerry lawler and the mysterious knights versus bret hart owen hart bruce hart and keith hart and that <laughs> the picture they use of keith hart for this what graphic was that? <laughs> and it's just could they not have found another <laughs> from Keith's 1978 driver's license and used that for his photo. It just it did just look like a personal Polaroid. They cut around. I went, oh, Keith's in the match too. Stick that in. <laughs> That's the photo they put on the news when he's been charged with something. Yeah, it, it did look a bit. It, it did look a bit dodgy <laughs> in that particular picture. I never get why companies can have a tendency to get these bits wrong these like match graphics mean? because you'll see them sometimes and they even to this day and age you'll see it sometimes where they have a graphic for raw and it'll just be the worst possible picture of a wrestler like midway through a pose or just the, it just the stance it just looks awful do you know what i think they should bring back the animated ones Oh, those were cool. They were brilliant. In like 03 and 04, where the rest of them would turn around and flex and all this. Oh, they were brilliant. Love them. The, the best is when it's when, when Rock was Hollywood Rock. and He'd, he'd be on, on somebody's side and, and he'd do the fake, I'm going to smack you in the face gesture with his arm. And, and, and the other guy would be, be oblivious to what he's doing. And Rock would just turn and face the camera with a big sneer. They were so good. Shawn Michaels did that one where he was like an airplane and he'd fly in. Like they I were know, brilliant. Yeah. Of course, Hunter had the one where he, was, he had his back turned and then turn around and do the E-man flex. Oh, and he just like had a face that just looked like a big muscle. That's when he was quadruple H. He was just pointlessly big. Ems is on the quad. So yeah, so Heart Family and the King's Knights. That's happening at Survivor Series as well. So big plush for Survivor Series coming up very very soon. Then Joe Fowler. Then Joe Fowler. Then Joe Fowler gets. <laughs> gets word 
from the commentary team that something's happening on Raw. And he puts his finger to his ear as if to go, oh, I'm hearing something. He moves his finger away and it's blatant. He hasn't got an earpiece. (laughs) Hang on, my fingerprint is telling me. <laughs> it's oh, it's so funny because it's just <laughs> no effort made. You could have, you could have just put a little, little bit of, little bit of cable or something coming out of his ear. You could have done anything, but it's just wait, what's that? Finger in the ear, finger out the ear, nothing in the ear. <laughs> I, I would have been happier if Gazoo from the Flintstones showed up. <laughs> Joe crushes it raw now. <laughs> that, that, that would have been even better. <laughs> I would have liked Joe Fowler then because, because he knows Gazoo and he's my go between for meeting Gazoo. But it's but, but but if you if you if you're putting your finger in your ear and you haven't got anything in your ear, like like the the possibilities are endless. I like to see him put his finger up his nose and go, oh, <laughs> I'm just getting word that crush has arrived. <laughs> It smells like crushes here. <laughs> it smells like crushes here. <laughs> Joe Fowler's now Ralph Wiggum. <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> the foreigners are bad guys. <laughs> watch this episode of Raw and watch Joe Fowler put his finger to his nothing to get the word that crushes arrived. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, well done, yes, Crush is here. Crush now has a badass goatee. Perhaps you indicate evilness, we're not sure. He is looking every inch the 90s wrestler. And Bobby Heenan greets him backstage. We hope we shall wait a little bit longer before we get to uh, what Crush has to say. In the meantime, we have Bam Bam Bigelow versus a jobber I'm seeing for the first time, Dennis Diamond. Dennis Diamond looks like he took he took third place in an Al Snow lookalike contest. Now I've been trying to find stuff on Dennis Diamond. There is a magician who works in Las Vegas called Dennis Diamond, mm-hmm. and he looks like a li- he looks a bit like this Dennis Diamond. So I don't know, mm-hmm. but they might be the same person. He may have gone on to become a magician. Is he possibly Dustin's father? <laughs> Funny enough, whenever I typed in Dennis Diamond Wrestling, I just got videos of Screech doing celebrity wrestling that? or doing uh, T and NWA T and A. Yes, when he knocked out the timekeeper in a 10 second boxing match. <laughs> Weird times. But this guy takes a bit of a shoe in from Bam Bam Bigelow. Like it's just thrown around everywhere. Yeah, Bigelow just peels him all around the ring while. He never turns to the table and accuses Savage of betraying Crush. Every every match on this show is just a backdrop for the Savage Crush uh, debacle here. Like everything, like there is no there is no match that furthers a storyline of any sort, other than the Tatanka Borga highlights from before Tatanka's match. Like nothing on this show is furthering an angle of any kind. It is all just building to the summit. Lucky thing is, oh, Vince gets this jobber's name right. Well done, Vince. He, he called, he called PJ Walker Corey Stewart, and he called Scott Taylor. I think he called Scott Taylor PJ Walker. I thought he, I think, I think yes, like, he did call him PJ Walker. But last week he called him Scott Thomas. 
It's like a rib of some sort where they get everybody's name wrong. Vince just doesn't care. <laughs> anyway, Bigelow finishes Diamond with the standing in Zugiri and a slingshot splash that came across that rope very slowly. Mm. Brought a lot of weight down on poor Double D here. Also, this week, Bam Bam Bigelow had a much fuller beard, which I approved of. Thought it looked really nice. Yeah. He's turning into the Wolfman very slowly. Really like it. Like him with a fuller beard. Nice one, Bam Bam. <laughs> wolf, Wolf, Wiggalo. <laughs> Diesel. Wolf, Wolf, Winnebago. Diesel and uh, Mr. Per- Mr. Perfect uh, shouting about um, Shawn Michaels some more. Diesel was good stock here. It's just Diesel now. And, and uh, Diesel, he's, he's anguished at this point. He's turning into the Chris Farley Hurley boy guy. Come on, he's a good man. <laughs> Just yelling at the camera. He comes out with the line, though. It's like going to the Louvre and not seeing the Mona Lisa. Trying to put Sean over. Yeah, I love that line so much. Diesel was too good for that role just to be a silent a silent enforcer. He tries to con fans into calling the yes number for now. He says, look, this is bipartisan. If you want to vote, no one is reinstatement. Just and he gives the yes number. <laughs> he's, he's so good, and I think this is. And I like to think that they had a little light bulb moment where they went, "Actually, this guy, he looks the part, and he's a good talker." Perhaps <laughs> this could have been the moment where they realized that Kevin Nash had what it took to be a top guy. Although at first, I got mad when Vince explained what Diesel was doing. Like, oh, he's giving the wrong number, you know. Oh yeah, maybe a few kids caught that out there. And I, I was mad because I thought, like, well, don't explain the joke. But then I realized, maybe for legal reasons, Vince had to say, no, kids, don't call that number because, you know, we give out fraudulent information for a number you have to pay for. <laughs> they had to cover their own bag, but the, the joke was very much, the fix was very much in. It was very well done. And then Vince goes to commercial by saying, forget Gorbachev and whomever. Like how Vince forgets who Gorbachev was, was in the summit with. You, you did the video. Remember when you did the video, Vince? <laughs> that was three days ago. It's the guy you... It, it's Reagan, the guy you look like. <laughs> well, I don't remember. <laughs> that sounded like yes. Kip from Futurama. I watched Randy and Crush have a summit. <laughs> Amy... Nancy and Nancy and I sat there watching Monday Night Raw as we are wont to do. This is this is Kip from Futurama, mate. <laughs> okay, I'm right. Amy, Amy. I'm, I'm not great at Reagan. <laughs> I'm no Phil Hartman. I cannot tell a lie. That's, that's Lincoln. Furthermore, <laughs> right, that's funny. Sunny. <laughs> Why did Tony ever have a summit with someone? <laughs> Tony, every day was a summit with Tony. He was such a nightmare. Every day was a... So you take him a sandwich, you're getting a summit with Tony. Furthermore, I want an extra beef. Like, every day is a summit with Tony. It's the Jack, Tony, Nikita Koloff summit. <laughs> oh, my God. I wish Tony had done more in-ring stuff than, than he Furthermore, did. Furthermore, you're actually from Minnesota. Your name is Scott Simpson. <laughs> Quit lying to the people. Why are there no real Russians in wrestling? <laughs> Everyone's either from Minnesota or Montreal. Nikolai from Czechoslovakia. <laughs> so he's full of crap. 
It's a good point, though, Jack. <laughs> oh, God love Tony. God rest your soul, Tony. Oh, oh my God, it's time. It is time. For the birth of the main event interview. This is the first time, isn't it? This is the, the raw main event interview, the first time. I can't recall if it's the first time, but it's the most significant time to date, at least in my eyes. Well, the only other time they did it was they they they, they attempted to put an Undertaker match on the end of it and realised they didn't have the time. They should have Tiger and Skinner in the background while Heenan talked. <laughs> Could you imagine if, if they said to Undertaker, all right, look, well, sorry about the last time you were on Raw when that happened. Um, we're going to give you the rematch against Skinner uh, after the summit. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. God damn it, we've run out of time again! <laughs> I wouldn't rip take her too much. <laughs> so, oh, Keenan begins the summit. He, in- he introduces Crush, who is not alone. Not only is he accompanied by his evil goatee, but he has Mr. Fuji with him. That he does. Do you think this was... I, I don't know what to make of... Of, of Fuji coming out for this because I don't think it was the right aesthetic. Only because we had, eventually, as we will find out, we'll have Crush in the ring being very animated and angry. We have Savage in the ring being very animated and angry. Bobby Heenan, like, really just, like, getting under the skin of everybody. And Fuji looked like he didn't have a Scooby-Doo where he was. <laughs> Scoo- he just, Fuji looked completely lost. Well, I think by having Fuji there with Crush, if Crush made good points during his promo, you, and, and he was alone, you might think, okay, well, maybe Savage is a heel here. But as long as Fuji's at Crush's side, then Crush is the douchebag and keeps him rooted as, as a villain. That's true, because a lot of the stuff that Crush did say, I was kind of on his side. So, Crush talks out. I should point out that Crush, throughout his career, was never really known as being the best promo guy. You know, the, you know, like, you make children cry when he's yelling at Doink and all that stuff. Children cry, bro. This promo, this promo was awesome. This was probably this the was, best promo he will ever do. This is, this is peak Brian Adams right here. This was his, this may have been his best moment in the business. So Crush talks about looking at the Savage as, as the best friend, as a mentor. Someone that when Savage told him something, Crush took it to heart because he, he thought it meant a lot. But then as time went on, as Crush started to rise up in the business while Savage receded into near retirement, Crush was passing him by, and Savage didn't like that and made him very envious. He, he talks about – at this point, he calls Fuji Master Fuji, which we're not really sure why at this point he's on Fuji's side. But then he points out how Savage told him to wrestle Yokozuna despite knowing that Crush had a bad back, which he says he hurt, he hurt at the USS Intrepid during the body slam challenge. Nice little uh, callback there. Mm-hmm. Savage promised to have his back, but what? But when Yokozuna dropped one bonsai, two bonsais, three bonsais, four, Savage did nothing. It was on the verge of the fifth bonsai that Savage finally ran out and pulled Crush out of the ring to safety. He accused Savage of wanting him gone because saying that Savage sold him off onto the airplane back to Hawaii and only caught him twice, not to see how good he was doing but how bad he was doing in Crush's words. But he says Fuji reached out to him, though. While he was convalescing on the beach in Hawaii, Fuji was one who was checking up on him. So he tells Savage 
you know, to stay out of my life, stay out of my business, and stay out of my way. It's at this point Savage finally stands up after listening to what Crush has to say. And Crush at this point is very fired up. If Savage comes within two feet of him, he might get punched in the face. That's how mad Crush is. So Savage enters the ring to finally give his side of it. Tells Crush he's making a mistake by associating with Fuji and Heenan. He says, you know, if we just get rid of these two assholes, we can go off and settle this man-to-man, talk it out, we'll hammer it out, whatever we have to do. He says, but, but you know, you're making a mistake by associating with, with these guys. This isn't the way. Savage says, if I made a mistake, I'll admit I made a mistake. Crush is kind of conflicted now. Still leaning toward not liking Savage, but Savage is being sincere here. Shake my hand, brother. Crush is kind of teetering on the fence now. He's hesitating. Heenan tries to advise him against doing it. Crush thinks for himself and just shoves Heenan away. Crowd cheers for that. To this point, this is a, this is so well done because you know you're you're wanting Crush to do the right thing and listen to the, to the Macho Man who people trust. And then finally, Crush shakes his hand to a big pop. Big pop. Heenan goes to the commentary table and says that cheap Hawaiian sold us out. Kind of a funny line. In the usual Bobby Heenan cadence. Crush is kind of like, he's looking downward as if he feels ashamed for even letting it get to this point. He's walking up the aisle with his hands on his hips, kind of a bit confused, but maybe a little bit optimistic, like, I think I'm on, I think I'm on the right path, brother. Savage joins him, raises Crush's arm, Crush points at him, then clotheslines him right out of his boots. And it was a heck of a, it was just the, the, the crowd just immediately just booed this. It was wonderful. They went silent almost as well, just the sheer shock of watching Savage get drilled like that. Then Crush picks Savage up in a gorilla press, walks around ringside, and drops Savage face first right on the guardrail. It was a it was a hell of a good looking bump too. And, and as we soon see, Savage's entire mouth is bloody. Like like all of his front teeth are just covered in crimson while while Crush punches him in the head at ringside. I'm not, I'm going to assume that was some sort of stage blood of some sort, because if not, then Savage Blitz took a header on that guardrail. It's at this point that Yokozuna waddles down with Jim Cornette running up in front of him. Crush meets Yoko in the aisle. They bow to one another to indicate an alliance. They crouch chance for Luger. He doesn't show up. He's probably on the bus. Savage gets pulled in the ring. Yoko gives him a bonsai drop. Crush has his fist pumped a little bit, like in, in almost an exhilaration, like, yeah, how's that feel? Now you know how it feels. Yoko goes up for a second one, but the referees pull him to safety this time. See, this is why Crush is pissed, because he had to take four of them. Savage had to take one. Savage is so brutalized that the blood from his mouth has splashed back onto, the, onto his scalp. That was awesome. Just an like I know we, we laughed about how over-the-top they had sold this summit... But I think it was probably one of the best segments we've seen on Raw so far. And it was mainly down to Crush. He showed he showed real intensity in that promo. And you know what? It was almost I I yeah. found myself after like stepping away, I found myself on Crush's side. Yeah, for, you know, for years. When I thought back to that angle, I was like, you know, why didn't Savage save him? And I think someone came up with the explanation. I don't know who that said, well, his commentators can't really leave the ringside table, so Savage kind of 
was at the mercy of hoping somebody else would do the right thing and, and put a stop to it because commentators can't really get involved, which which actually in an upcoming part of the storyline is, is, is kind of carried out a little bit more for why commentators can't get involved. So I think that was like the one thing that kind of kept Savage on the babyface side of – well, on the side of thoughtfulness was that well, I'm an announcer. I can't do anything about that. He, he has to remain neutral and sit at ringside. Mm. But Crush did have a point, especially as Fushi was twisting the knife in his brain. Like, you know, he was not on your side. He, he wanted you He wanted you gone. He's trying to wipe you out. But I like you. I trust you. So, 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 so Crush is turned heel, and is turned heel in grand fashion. And also with Savage, like, the whole thing, the all show long... And, and and in weeks before, he was like, let's talk it out. Let's talk it out. Come to Raw. Let's talk it out. Let's talk, let's talk it out. Crush comes to Raw. Savage gets to the ring and goes, let's not talk about this here. <laughs> you've, been, you've, been call, you've been partly calling for this. And as soon as it happens, you go, now, nah, mate, let's not talk about it here. <laughs> Boo! Boo! Do it here! It's partly why I went to Crush. Because I feel like Savage was kind of sort of a little bit sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> that's kind of a good point, actually. Yeah. Maybe Sav- maybe maybe Savage, after just hearing Crush's explanation, realized how serious this was. That it wasn't just some minor tiff or whatever. He says, "You know what? Maybe we need to sit down, have a beer, and talk about this. Maybe it'll take a few hours. Because I mean, it ain't gonna be solved in ten minutes, you know. This sort of animosity. Maybe there's something. Maybe there's something deeper there, and they had to just sit and talk about it." I mean, I don't know, or maybe they just screwed up the storyline. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But either way, despite that, I still think this is one of the best segments that we've seen on Raw. Is that the second time we've seen blood on Raw to this point? No, actually, I think it's like the third time we've seen blood on Raw to this point. Possibly third, um, because that was Beefcake getting the uh, briefcase of the head, and when Brett bled legitimately against Fatu, or I'm sorry, against uh, it was either Fatu or Bam Bam, but he did bleed legit in one of those matches. I think it was Fatu. I think it was. Yeah, like, he had that um, scab on his face that, that came undone during the match. But I think the, the the Brutus bleed job was much stronger than this one. But this was still effective because it was it, it felt quite legit. Well, I mean, he's he's bleeding from the mouth and bleeding pretty badly. It looks like he just shoved a hundred Swedish fish into his mouth and shoot them all up. It's that whole thing of it's internal. It's internal bleeding. Oh my god, it's the worst kind of bleeding. Where you bite down on the condom and everything comes comes, comes squirting out. Yeah. Hate when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> it always ruins the evening. Ken Shermock had internal bleeding like, like every single week in 1999. <laughs> he did, didn't he? That was kind of his shtick. It's amazing he's still with us. Raw would be, Blackman would walk out during Ken Shamrock match, calm as you like, batter him in nunchucks, and then walk away again. Here's your mark bleeding to death. Anyway, that's nice. Here, here comes Tom Stacy. <laughs> that was a scary time. <laughs> so we come back from break, and Vince informs us that Savage has a lacerated tongue, and he's going to be okay. No, keep it grim. Yeah, why tell us that? Like, like. I was a kid, but I wasn't that fearful of a kid. I, I, I wasn't afraid of going to bed and thinking, like, is Randy Savage going to die? <laughs> I'm going to go and find out the Macho Man's gone. Like, Come on, give us a little bit of drama here. Exactly. Keep open. So, 
look at the poll results. It's 64-36 in favor of uh, keeping Sean away from WWF. I'm guessing the point of that was just to say to Sean, like, see, if the fans don't want it, why should we bring it back and make, make Sean come crawling back? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can imagine that would be the story they would tell. I'd like to think that was the story they would tell, and they weren't just leaving it just, just to blind look at the fans. <laughs> or we're just uh, happy to take the fans' money for calling the 900 number. But it wouldn't, wouldn't matter anyway, because the, the overwhelming majority, uh, the will of the people, if you will, will be overturned in a couple of weeks' time anyway. Uh, yeah. More on that when we get to it. So for next week's show, we have Marty Jannetty versus the One Two Three Kid in a babyface versus babyface matchup, and we have three monster heels in action: Diesel, Ludwig Borga, and Crush. Amazing! That looks quite a stacked show next week for Raw. And Randy Savage, of course, will not be on commentary because he bit his tongue. Bobby Heenan <laughs> made fun of several times. <laughs> He's taking a week off, but it still looks like a stacked episode of Raw. It certainly does. It's the second part of his three-part taping, which we know, we know how fun those can be now. Mm-hmm. Which we, which we get to the four-part tapings. Oh, Jesus! Wish we get to the three-hour Raws. That's that's many years to come, thankfully. Um, <laughs> when by hour four, the, um, yes, go ahead. Nope, go for it. Sorry. I was going to say when during hour four they start prodding fans awake during the show. <laughs> Imagine that at WrestleMania this year. Oh, Nelly. Sleepiest fans. Indeedy. So I Seven thought a as a uh, as a show this week, it was a one-segment show, but what a segment it built to. It was just a bunch of jobber matches that were just basically fodder, time killers up until the big angle. And during, and during said fodder, they promoted the big match, or the big angle. And uh, it is weird at this point in time to see the main event not be a match. Or what the big attraction is, but it came off so well. It was an effective heel turn, and you want to see what happens next. After that turn, Crush should be a bona fide star. You would think. Anyway. You would think, wouldn't you? <laughs> but hey, let's see where we go from here. I'm, I'm, what could possibly go wrong? And it, and it puts Randy Savage back in action, so there's that too. Yeah, it's always yeah. That's that is that. But hey. Let's let's watch this unfold from next week. So, at JRH Writing on Twitter, that is Justin Henry. He is right there. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. I can't believe that we're all aliens. Love you, bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
for all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes. Search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 